I'm Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus, president of San Antonio College. Today, we'll be speaking with Melissa Sutherland, licensed professional counselor and supervisor, as well as an instructor of psychology at San Antonio College. And welcome back to Front and Center, where we talk about San Antonio College news, trends in higher education, and the community, because we are the community. Joined here this morning with Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus. Good morning. Good morning, Headmaster. How are you today? Oh, having a wonderful time. We're about halfway through the semester. Um, you know, weather's getting better. Absolutely. Season's changing, so uh, we're, we're, we're running right into it. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It is definitely fall. It feels like fall in the air. (laughs) And with that said, did you know that on October 10th, we actually had Mental Health Day? I did not know that. Yes, Mental Health Awareness Day. That was on Tuesday, the 10th of October. Um, And to acknowledge that, today we have with us Melissa Sutherland. She works as an instructor in the psychology department at San Antonio College. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Tell us a bit about what you do at San Antonio College. I am a faculty member in the psychology discipline at San Antonio College, so I teach several classes such as Intro to Psychology and Abnormal Psychology. Introduction to Psychology and Abnormal Psychology. What's the difference between Intro and Abnormal? Introduction is more of an introduction or a wide view of the field, whereas Abnormal is specifically looking at psychological disorders. Interesting, interesting. So in terms of the abnormal part, right, mm-hmm. I, I want us to talk today about mental health and, and the stigma that is attached to it. Uh, many times we think of mental health as, ooh, that person is sick and there is an abnormality to that, right? Could you tell me a bit about why is that and what exactly is mental health? Mental health is kind of like our physical health except instead of a physical form, it's how we're feeling or how we're thinking about things. So it's very important to protect that and to protect your brain and to protect your emotions so that you can function at your highest capacity. And unfortunately, there is a stigma around mental health. I I hope that it's getting better. People seem to be talking more about it, especially after COVID. People seem to be more open about their mental health and that they're experiencing anxiety or depression um, and seem to be willing to seek help, which is great. But that stigma has been longstanding and people are afraid of being labeled. And unfortunately, just like in the health field, if you go to the doctor, they have to give you a diagnosis with a code so they can get paid by the insurance company. And that happens in the mental health world as as well. A diagnosis has to be given in order for the billing process. And a lot of people are really afraid of that label being applied to them. That's interesting. Um, uh, What I'm hearing here is that if you don't have a code which by the way, it might be seen as you might be ill, right? Right. Um, Then of course you might not be able to see a doctor because then you might not receive the assistance, the help that you need. And if that's the case, then what happens to that person when they don't have insurance 
Um, they they know that they're not feeling well. They need to speak to someone. Um, they're feeling uh, a bit of stress. Stress has become a stage in which they're feeling that they cannot uh, address or handle life. Uh, many times, for example, if you have kids at home or someone is ill or there's a death uh, or you have issues at work um, or you don't know how to pay the rent, um, when, where the money is going to come from or you don't know if your kids are going to be able to eat that, that night. I mean, these are actual things and issues that many of us have gone through or we know of those that have gone through these things. Right. And this is life. It's life. And at times we need someone to speak with. But when you don't have insurance and no one can put a code to what you're going through so that the person who is going to supposedly help you, right, can then get paid, where do you run? Where do you go for hope and assistance? That's a great question. And thank goodness there are nonprofit organizations that are there to help when you do not have insurance or do not have money. There are a lot of them that will do a sliding fee scale, which means if you've got nothing, it costs nothing. And there are several of those in our community. And Family Service Association, the Jewish Family and Children's Services, Catholic Charities, there's different ones. And you can always call the United Way hotline, and they can give you numbers for even more agencies that they help fund that are on a sliding fee scale to help people. And one of the great things at San Antonio College is we have a counseling center, and counseling services are free for our students. You know, and I think students don't always realize that a counseling session can sometimes cost $150 an hour and up, and they are getting those services for free on campus. Wow. So then that means that if I study at SAC, I can get assistance free of charge. Yes. Because it is part of the services that we offer to our students. What else? What else do we do at SAG to ensure that not just those of us who work there, but also if you're interested in, a, in attending SAC, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that I would want to know that we offer to support our students uh, with mental health concerns? Well, going back to psychology and looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we truly believe that if you don't meet the basic needs of someone like food and shelter and um, housing and um, utilities and things along that line, that it is hard for them to learn. It's hard to focus on class and take notes and listen and comprehend when you're hungry and your stomach is growling. So at San Antonio College, we have the Student Advocacy Center that not only can help you apply for public services like utility assistance or any type of assistance you may qualify for, we have a clothing area where you can get clothing to help if you need to go on a uh, job interview. We have grab and go where you can come in and grab some food if you're hungry on the way to class. We also have a food pantry where you can come so many times per month and fill up a basket of food. So we really work hard to meet those basic needs of our students so that they can learn. That's great. That's great. So those of you, for example, if you're if you are tuning in right now and if you need assistance, the United Way, they have a hotline. You can go to 
211.org. That is the number two, the number one, and the number one dot org or 211texas.org 211texas.org so any of those two and what you'll find is information on how to receive assistance completely free of charge if you're thinking of harming yourself do not there is help there is assistance it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to sometimes feel like we cannot handle things because it's just too much. What is not okay is to end your life. What is not okay is to say, I am throwing the towel. I'm going to give up. Why? Because you were born. You were born for a reason and a purpose. You were born to understand that there is a purpose and a reason for your life. So if at this very moment in time, you are thinking of throwing the towel, I'm telling you right now, do not. Go to 211texas.org or simply go to 211.org. Another thing that I wanted to share with all of you who are listening in is that you can seek assistance by trying to uh, text home, the word home, that is H-O-M-E, to 741-741. For live assistance right now, if you're in crisis, you want to text the word home, that is H-O-M-E, to 741-741. So let's, let's talk about... What is the matter right now? What what happens when someone feels with a level of stress? What are some of the 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 signs that that someone might go through and exper- experience if they're feeling like they can go no more? Sure. Um, and one of the things for people who are starting college, especially coming out of high school, it is a huge change. You're, you don't have the supervision level that you used to have. The level of freedom is a lot more, but the, the consequences are also there. And so it is a big change for students. And anytime we have a big change, we have to adjust. And sometimes we have trouble with that adjustment. And sometimes that can cause depression. And the symptoms of a depression are feeling sad, anxious, or maybe even kind of empty. One of the things I ask is, how's your sleeping? Are you sleeping at all? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you having trouble sleeping? But also, are you oversleeping? Because sometimes people will sleep as a way to escape what they're having to deal with. We also look at appetite, whether that's increased or decreased. So just looking for those changes. And then also, how are they feeling in terms of energy? Are they fatigued? Do they feel slowed down? Do they just have trouble motivating themselves to get up and get out of bed? Difficulty concentrating is another one. Or feeling like you just keep forgetting everything and can't keep track of it. Also, hopeless and helpless type thoughts. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. Things aren't going to get better. Those type of thoughts. And then also looking at whether or not they're having thoughts of suicide. And a lot of people sometimes will be afraid to say, yes, I am having those thoughts. But usually 1 in 17 or 1 in 18 people at any given time are having those thoughts because they're on a continuum. I may have really vague thoughts like, 
I wonder if it, how much it would be better if I just didn't wake up today. I may not have any intent to act on that and have no plan, or I can be at the extreme end when I really, where I already have a plan and I'm intending to act upon it. So that's very different. So some people will be afraid to come forward and say they're having those vague thoughts because they think they're going to be hospitalized or the police are going to be called, but that's not going to happen. We maintain confidentiality as counselors. The only time we have to breach that if the person is thinking of killing themselves or someone else, and that's those extreme ends. And in that case, we would rather you be safe and still be here with us. Because when you're feeling that bad that you are thinking of taking your own life, it's like a fog is around you and you can't see through that fog. And at that point, you have to lean on the others that are outside that fog that can tell you the truth about really what's going on, that there is help, that there is hope, that you can make it through. Because at that moment, it's almost like you have blinders on. But I can tell you, people sometimes think, well, everyone else will be better off without me. As a counselor, I can tell you, I've seen many people who are the survivors of loved ones who have committed suicide, and they are not okay without you. It is devastating. You have people who love you. That is, um, that's right on. Thank you so much, Melissa. When we think about stress, anxiety, fear, depression, many times these things come to us in bits and pieces. You don't feel all of it at the same time, but one thing leads to another and another and another and one feeling to the other. And then a thought comes and then another thought comes. And um, I remember when I was a counselor, I was working with um, a student. Um, she was uh, with a partner who abused her. Um, and I remember that um, the things she described to me in terms of uh, what he did to her, some of those things were not so much uh, in a physical sense, but the emotional uh, with the words and, and the texts, the emails, the harassment, um, some of that turned into physical um, acts um, that, that hurt her. Uh, not only that, but um, she was at a, at a point in time in which uh, she didn't know where to go, where to run to. Um, so we needed to help her escape, escape her home, right? Uh, and there are ways in which you can help. There are ways in which you can work with others to ensure that that takes place in a safe way. Um, however, however, um, it became so um, a critical for her um, that she needed, she needed to leave her home. Uh, the space that she considered to be home, it was no longer safe because the mental abuse became physical abuse. And the physical abuse, it became deeper and deeper and deeper to the point that it was very, very bad. And it doesn't matter if it's not deep enough or deep enough, right? Abuse is abuse. Yes. It's as simple as that. Abuse is abuse, and there's there's no no justification for that to occur to any human being, whether it be in a physical way or in a mental way or emotionally. Abuse is abuse. 
We need to stop the justifying of the behavior of someone else, right? Oh, it's because I may have said this, or it's because I may have dressed a certain way, or it's because I didn't text him the many times he wanted me to text him, or it's because I didn't answer the phone on time. Oh, it's, it's my fault because, no, enough. We got we to gotta cut that. You have to understand when we are being controlled, right? When a human being is being controlled. And by the way, this doesn't happen just between a husband and wife right? or, or a partners, okay? This can happen anywhere. This can even happen at work. Yes. People are being abused in their workplaces, right? There is psychological abuse. Why? Because at times, as people, people feel that they are a threat to others, right? They are being a threat to me because of my position. And because of my position, I'm going to do everything that I can and my power and my authority to make them feel less than. And this happens within the workplace over and over and over. So how do we then identify in a bold way in a courageous way, what's happening to us and label for what it is, which is abuse or harassment or however we might want to call it and stop it and say, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to report this to HR. I'm going to document what's going on or I'm going to go and call 911 or I'm going to go to 211texas.org. Or I'm going to text home, the word home, to 741-741 because I believe I'm in crisis. I believe I need help. I'm going through some things that I don't know how to call them, but it's not feeling, it's not fun. It's not feeling okay. What do we do? At, at what point in time do we, as human beings, stand up for ourselves? Melissa. It would be wonderful if everyone had a great self-esteem. And so as soon as somebody crossed their boundary, said something inappropriate or something that made them feel uneasy, they could just say, hey, wait a minute. That makes me feel uneasy. I don't appreciate that. Please don't say things like that to me. That would be in an ideal world. But unfortunately, not everyone feels empowered to be able to stand up for themselves and do it. And then on the other extreme end of being in domestic violence, police officers will tell you that is the most dangerous situation they have to deal with. It is not something to take lightly. If you go to a counselor and tell them that you're being physically abused, we already know that there is a ton of emotional and psychological abuse you have already endured to get to that point. Because it's it's like a crescendo. It starts little by little. You know, I tell people, if you were on a date with someone and they slapped you on the first date, you'd never see them again. But it's like putting frogs in boiling water and you turn it up one degree at a time yep. and then you start getting desensitized to it and then you exactly. start accepting it. And then the next thing you know, you're in boiling water and you're like, how did I get here? So you're not alone. Unfortunately, it happens a lot, but there is help. There's help available through Family Violence Prevention Services and the Battered Women's Shelter. So there is help. And there's other women that you can talk to in group settings that can tell you that they made it through, and so can you. So it is something to take very seriously. 
and to make sure that you are safe. But if you can get to the battered women's shelter, they can help you with getting your belongings, having a police officer escort you to pick up your belongings to make sure you're safe, because that is one of the most dangerous times. One of the other most dangerous times is when women are pregnant. Yes. Abuse seems to increase because that that feeling of losing control of the woman who's pregnant starts because the focus is on the baby. So there is a lot to it. It is completely wrong. It's never right. Sometimes people wait for the abuser to accept that they're wrong and, and apologize. It, don't accept that. Don't wait for that. It's not going to happen. They're never going to admit that it's wrong. You have to believe it. You have to believe you're worth being treated right and with respect and to not be abused. You have to stand up for yourself. And, and, and what we are not, um, what we don't think about when, when we don't uh, re- report these things is, for example, we tend to not talk about the kids. Yes. Kids who are in the home <laughs> and they see it, they hear it, they feel it. And they live this each and every day. And my question is, what are some of the uh, effects that this can have on children? The immediate effects can be depression, anxiety, um, behavioral problems, all kinds of things. Unfortunately, the long-term effects, as much as people will say, I'm not going to do what my parents did, they will find themselves either in an abusive relationship receiving abuse or they will be an abuser a lot of times, because if you don't learn a different type of behavior, a different coping way to cope with problems, you will revert to what you know. And so unfortunately, you see generations of abuse. And so I would employ or encourage everyone to to stop it, stop the cycle, be the person that stops it in your family tree. Get some help. Learn how to cope with things without losing, you know, without losing your emotions, without blowing up. Learn how to have a good self-esteem and to value yourself. So when people do say something that's inappropriate, you feel perfectly okay saying, you know what, that's inappropriate and I'd appreciate you not saying that around me. Or you touched me in a certain way and I don't appreciate that. That is not appropriate. And then be able, if the person does not respect that boundary and they keep doing it, then report it to someone. If it's at work, report it to HR. If it's happening at home, go see a counselor. Get some help. And this also goes for kids who are underage, right? Yes. They might be going uh, through some things at, at the, you know, within, within their own homes. Mm. And uh, they might be uh, touched yes. in ways that they don't like. Uh, in ways that are not right. And they're afraid to report these things. And all of that can create a sense of insecurity as the child grows up. Yes. And that can then turn into other things, I'm sure. Definitely. Which can then lead to mental health issues in the future. Also post-traumatic stress disorder. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So right now, folks, if you're listening to us, go to 211texas.org for crisis assistance. Any form of assistance, please go to 211texas.org or 
If you need help right now, you can also text the word HOME to 741-741. Again, HOME to 741-741. Melissa, I want to thank you so very much for sharing your expertise. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is Front and Center, recorded at the KSYM Studios on the San Antonio College campus. Front and Center is available on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and airs Monday mornings at 8.30 on KSYM 90.1 FM in San Antonio. More information on Front and Center is online at ksym.org.